0: Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is What's in a name? Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon.
1: And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, names. They're super important and yet Utterly changeable, as you've recently found. Indeed. So where, where would you like to start on all of this?
0: Well, folks may have noticed that in our introduction, I have started to introduce myself as Amanda Llewellyn. And we don't spell our names when we do our introductions, so it is a different spelling than people may know, but it is a very traditional spelling. It is a Welsh last name, and that is my new legal last name. I'm very excited about it. I love it. I am just delighted. Congratulations. It's very fun. Thank you.
1: So how long (laughs) have you been planning this name change It has been in the works
0: for, I think, about two years. Yeah. A very long time, actually. And so it has nothing to do with any other life changes that have happened. It's something that I've been on the journey for for quite some time. It has more to do with my own journey in anti-racism and kind of some ethical research in my own family heritage and background some genetic research that I've been doing, family genealogy research that I've been doing, claiming heritage, owning heritage, all of that, connecting back to ancestral roots, all of those kinds of pieces that come more with researching and connecting to history as part of anti-racism, land connection, all of those kind of pieces. And it's been a part of my own personal work that I don't publicly talk a lot about Mm -hmm. because it is really deep personal work and very core changing work. I mean, it came down to changing my name, re-identifying myself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you look
1: to take this back to something religious, when you look into the Bible and names being super important in those stories, and there are people who do change their names in the Bible, and it's for a very good reason.
0: Exactly. We have these moments in scripture where you find Abram becomes Abraham, Sarai becomes Sarah, you have a moment where Simon becomes Peter the rock on which the church will be built, right? All of these different moments, Paul gets his name changed, right? He goes from Saul to Paul. There are these moments where there's a change in a name, a change in how a person is going to be referred to by other people. And it's that time in which an individual is becoming a different sense of who they are, a different sense of their place in the world, a different role in the world. And it's not that I've had a, in the case of Paul, a literal come to Jesus moment, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's not that, but it's definitely a sense that in these years through the pandemic, as many people have discovered, there is a reconciling with self, with understanding self, with taking stock of who I am, how I am, those kinds of pieces, and where I want to be moving forward. A lot has changed. I've faced a lot of grief. I've lost a lot of things. I've had a lot of connections released in these times, and standing on my own and making my own choices, finding my connections historically in order to find my own pathway forward, it really is this deep knowing of who I am related to myself and to who God has called me to be that gives me the confidence to choose my name and to hold on to it. And it's really a wonderful, exciting thing. Now, in scripture, many of these individuals didn't choose their names. They had their names gifted to them. Mm-hmm. I won't say that I had my name gifted to me other than gifted by my heritage. And so I guess in some ways it was a gift in
1: that. It's fascinating hearing you talk about it because having changed my name when I got married, Mm -hmm. none of this thought process was ever in it. And at the time, it was just what everybody did and... I kind of wish I had thought a little more about it and made it something a little more
0: active instead of a passive thing. Part of it is that I've had my name changed for me. Mm -hmm. I've been given the name or the title of pastor. I had that experience and I had the experience of having my name changed to the name of my spouse. And I think in this time when I made this active choice, Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be that. I wanted it to be my active choice. It wasn't the call of a community or the call of God that gave me this title or role or name. It wasn't my spouse's family that gave me a name. It wasn't someone else putting something on me. It was my opportunity. It wasn't my parents choosing my name for me. Mm -hmm. My first name and my middle name have remained the same. My baptismal name, which is my first name and my middle name, have remained the same. But that thing that has gotten shifted as a feminine person within our culture who has been married twice, that name that was my father's name and then my spouse's name and then back to my father's name and then hyphenated with my husband's name and then I got divorced and so my husband's name came off and then it was back to my father's name and all of these ways in which it never felt like... I had a choice in that, like my ownership in that. It was just given to me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted that time to spend between myself and God and knowledge and research to say, where am I? Who am I? Where will I be? Now, the other piece of this is that I don't have biological children. And the children that I do have influence over or that have a relationship with me do not share my name in any way. And so there's no connection to any generations to come. And so I had to come to terms with the reality. (laughs) This is the way that I kind of put it. It might sound sad, but it's the way that I thought of it. I am a twig on the family tree, Mm -hmm. right? I'm a dry branch on the family tree. (laughs) So I will not impact Anyone's genealogy, because I have suddenly come in and had this random name associated with me. And so, standing alone, having no impact on future generations in this way, I simply get to stand alone and choose my name. So, what was that process like then? I started with 23 in me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I started with finding out what my genetic background was. Were you surprised by something in there? I was surprised by something in there. My given name, my birth name was very Germanic and there is so little bit of German in me. It's yeah, so teeny tiny. <laughs> yeah, super small. My background is very, very, very English, very Welsh, very Irish And very Celtic. And so to find that was pretty neat. And to kind of lean into that, what does that mean? Where do I go with that? Let's take a look and let's do some research and let's look at the family lines beyond the ones I had already known. That's when I found my great grandmother, Mm -hmm. not her married name but her birth name was Llewellyn. And then you start going back, and I went back generations and found pretty much every single spelling of Llewellyn that you can imagine, because Llewellyn is spelled 8,000 different ways. Mm -hmm. And I went all the way back into the late 1700s here in the United States because my family has been in the southern United States since before the Revolutionary War and found the Llewellyn line, tracks all the way back, and then it was just deciding what spelling I wanted to go with along this family line as I kind of leaned into this particular name and how I wanted to lean into it. Do you think that name called to you the way
1: being a pastor called to you, or is it something less mystical and mythical?
0: Isn't that a great question? I don't know. I know that Isabel's quilt, so Isabel Lou Allen is the grandmother who Mm -hmm. had this name. She made quilts in the 1940s and her specialty was double Irish wedding ring quilts. That sounds hard. They are. Uh They really are, especially without modern techniques. And anyone in town who had a scrap of fabric three fingers wide by three fingers wide Uh could give her that scrap of fabric. And that would become part of her quilt. And then her big purchase for the year was the main color fabric for the background. Mm -hmm. And then the scraps made up the wedding rings. And I have had a particular triple Irish chain up on my wall. Like just the top was pieced. It was one of the last ones that she pieced. I had that up in my room probably from the time I was 11 years old. Mm Mm-hmm. And my mother and my grandmother put it up on the quilting frames and did the hand quilting on it. Wow. And then it was the first quilt I did the binding on. Mm -hmm. I did the hand binding on that quilt. And we made the tag and on the tag, we called it, will the circle be unbroken? And it's the four generation quilt. And to realize that It was that grandmother whose name called to me. She has been with me. I have had this quilt with me from Pennsylvania to the Berkeley Hills. It has made it. Through a house fire. It has made it through living in a safe house. It was one of the first items that the people who were getting me out of my first abusive marriage knew that I would want. And so they managed to snag it out of the house and get it out of that situation because they knew I would want that probably more than just about anything else. That's amazing. And if I left everything else behind, I would want that quilt. Mm -hmm. So... This particular quilt has followed me through my entire life and she has been with me and I didn't even really recognize it. So when I went back last fall to bury my grandmother, who was the one who helped quilt this, Mm -hmm. it was not her mother, but it was her mother-in-law. We also went that day to visit Isabel's grave. So I buried my grandmother And I went to my great-grandmother's grave and left flowers on my great-grandmother's grave that day. That's astonishing. It's a beautiful gift to make these connections, to find the ground where we are connected, to step on the ground. I think about the wrestling, Jacob wrestling with God and walking away limping and becoming Israel, right? Where are we changed, Where do we become these people that God can empower or give the gifts to, to be who God needs us to be in the world? And how do we find the gifts from those who've gone before us to be the kind of people that we need to be in the world that we live in now? And the women who have gone before me, learning more and more and more about them, particularly Going to bury them and hear their stories and visiting their graves and touching the grave dirt, Mm
1: -hmm. literally,
0: has given me really an incredible knowledge of the strength of the people that I come from. And the mystical strength, the faith strength of the people that I come from, and a curiosity then, of course, for the land that I come from. Not just ancestrally, not just for, you know, what's it like in Europe, but Mm -hmm. what kind of knowledge could come from the Southeast? And then what is there to atone for, for the ways in which my heritage has impacted the heritage of the indigenous and Black communities of the Southeast? So all of that is all part of it. All of that is wrapped up in the last name, owning it, knowing it, claiming it holding the tension of it. It's all there.
1: What has the reaction been amongst your friends and family? Because I know my parents were expecting me to change my name, but at one point my husband and I had talked about finding a completely different name, and it was his father who was going to have a hard time with his son not having his name. Yeah. So I'm curious what you have found.
0: Yeah. My mother is the one who helped me really find Llewellyn. Mm Mm-hmm. And pointed it out and sent me kind of on this journey to discover Isabel. And so I think she was very supportive in this. My aunts have been really supportive in learning more about just the family, the extended family on that side. My brother and sister have been like, sure, you go, kiddo. You know, when you're the youngest, Mm -hmm. (laughs) your older sibs just kind of look at you and go, whatever.
1: My friends are loving it for me. Well, you've got a lot of Derby friends who have Derby names. Exactly. Which means you know them by different names anyway. Exactly. It couldn't have come out of left field. Not too far anyway.
0: Totally. And I think that's it too, is that between the Derby community and the queer community, we are all accustomed to pondering what does it mean to have a name, to choose a name, mm-hmm. and take the time to choose a name. Because it's not just biblically that we have this kind of piece that we recognize the power of a name and a name chosen or a name given but in roller derby obviously we get to choose our derby name and that's a big deal Mm -hmm. the queer community particularly for trans and non-binary individuals choosing a name is a big deal and a big part of claiming identity and claiming self and I think that that is more and more recognized within the queer community as something to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. And so for uh, many of my friends, it's just a big celebration and a congratulations.
1: Yeah. Having named kids, it's Mm -hmm. super hard. And there are some parents I know of trans kids and kids who are just questioning everything and questioning Mm -hmm. the names that they have. My youngest in particular, her friend group has changed names for one reason or another about as often as they change their hair color. And for a lot of parents, <laughs> it can be hurtful because you feel like you yeah. put all of this work into naming somebody and you want it to be respected. But at the same time, I never liked the name that I had. So I have no <laughs> stones to throw in all of this. If you want to change your name,
0: knock yourself out. I'm here for it. And I think when it comes to like heritage names our surnames, mm-hmm. If I had had children and had a biological connection and heritage, I think maybe that's why I held on to my surname as long as I did. Because I have such a connection to genealogy and wanting to make certain that I am not throwing things off in a genealogical line or... Those kinds of pieces, like it's very important to be able to place people in time and space and to recognize their piece in history and all of those kinds of pieces, but recognizing that that is not my place in history, that is not my part in the story anymore, that I won't have that pressure on me to carry on a family line or to carry on a family name or to pass it on to any children or to need to justify to a school principal that, yes, I do belong with this child. See, our names match. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those are very real things. My mother had a different last name than me while I was in high school. There were times that we had to, like, prove it, that you match, but to not have that pressure made pondering a different surname differently. Mm -hmm. I think for people who change their first name or their middle name or play with those names, there's a whole other level of Mm self-identification that comes into it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this isn't even getting into what do the names mean? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, right. Levels and levels and levels.
0: Right. Right. And those things matter. And I think I didn't even consider changing my names because they're my baptismal names and the meanings that they hold resonate with my sense of call and my sense of understanding who I am as a baptized child of God. And so I didn't even consider changing Amanda Clare. So, yeah. Okay. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. Having
1: gone through a name change a long time ago, what is this process like now? Is it as tedious as I remember with having to change every legal scrap of paper or have they made it a little more streamlined? It's not very streamlined,
0: but it is the actual legal moment is very simple. So at least here in Oregon, it is a very easy process. You fill out one little document, you walk into the courthouse, You hand it to the clerk. They take a look at it, make certain that everything is filled out legibly. They take your $119 thereabouts. Nice. And say, give a call back in three days and see if we filed it. And you walk out the door. Wow. And that's it. There is nothing else to do. There's no waiting for a week to make sure that nobody else wants to claim your name. There's no publishing it anywhere. There's no anything else. It's just Walking in, turning over the piece of paper, and walking back out again. It's so super
1: simple. And then waiting to get something. So then you can change your social security number, and you can change your license, and you can get your yeah. passport,
0: and you can, and you can. <laughs> that stuff is all a lot more tedious. And that's what everybody goes through whenever you do your name change. Yep. So. That's been the part that I've been doing the rigmarole since. And I have to say, I really wish someone in the world would make like a so you've changed your name without it being a, so you changed your name because you got married. Congratulations, you beautiful bride. Right. These checklists are so useful because there are type A people out there, list makers, Mm -hmm. who have made just fantastic lists to make sure that you change everything from your social security card to your gym membership. Mm -hmm. Right. But I really would love it. To not have to be from the bridal perspective. Oh, yeah. Somebody needs to fill the void. Right. I tried to find it. Didn't find it. I'm on the bridal sites. I'm using their checklists. Oh, man. If anybody has one, please let us know. Southern Brides, they make the best checklists. <laughs> I bet they do. That's where I'm at right now is getting all of the bank accounts and mm-hmm. insurance papers and mm-hmm. doctor's offices and... Oh, I'm sure the fallout
1: is immense. Yep. All of that kind of of stuff. Okay. I got to ask because I have people in my life who have changed their names for various reasons and I still forget and I will call them by their old name and it
0: hurts my Mm. heart when I do it. But how Mm -hmm. is it for you? For me, it isn't terrible. Okay. It's not a bad deal for me, but That's partially because the reason for my changing my name is not a painful one. Well, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. What
1: do you want people who, when they, you see in their eyes, when they do it, and you can see the panic, Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. do you want them to say? What do you want that response to be? Just keep going. Just keep going? No apologies. Just keep going.
0: No nothing. Don't make a big deal of it. Okay. It's just like when we accidentally use an incorrect pronoun for someone or using using a wrong name rather than making it about you in that moment okay. and your mistake in that moment and making a big deal out of it and saying, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I really meant to get it right. And I just didn't get it right this time. And I'm going to work on it so much and I'm going to get it right the next time. And because that switches the person into caregiver mode mm-hmm. to be able to say, you know, oh, Pastor Llewellyn or Pastor Zenz, I'm so sorry. Oh, I mean... Pastor Llewellyn, would you please talk to me about, right? Just shift, use the correct name and keep on moving and then turn to your friend and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. (laughs) And let your friend be the one to say, you know what? She didn't even blink. Okay. She's totally fine. It's okay. You're working on it. Your heart is so in the right place. Sometimes we just stumble and it's going to be okay. It's hard being human. It is hard to be human and to have a human brain. And we keep working on it, mm-hmm. right? Legitimately keep working on it. If we turn in those moments and we make it about ourselves, we are almost reinforcing to ourselves that our mistakes are worth taking up the space. And our mistakes and our pain is worth more time than that person's time and space. So just take a deep breath, forgive yourself, correct it in the moment, or just keep moving. And if you hear someone being dead named or misgendered, and you know it, you can gently correct that person, not by saying, oh my gosh, that is so not the right name to use for that person. You just know better than to do that. That is so-and-so's dead name. Don't announce that, please. Mm-hmm. But just say in the next sentence or two, you can say, well, actually, she told me that we were going to be meeting at such and such a place and use the correct pronoun. Or, oh, I understand that you wanted to say that, but Ted would really like us to go for and mm-hmm. use their correct name right? That kind of a moment can just be an opportunity to drop it in as the ally, as the friend, and you don't have to make a big giant deal out of it. And if you're in person, you can always check in with that person before or after and ask them how they want you to advocate on their behalf in those kinds of moments. Excellent. All right. That's going to lead me to my last question then. So, Why share
1: this on our podcast? Why did you decide that this was going to be a good topic for us to cover?
0: One of the things that this podcast has been about in the years that we have been doing this Mm -hmm. is about how our faith and living our faith intersect in reality and hit the ground in reality. And while it may not be obvious how a name change is a part of living faith with integrity I hope that in answering some of these questions, folks can see and hear and understand that a name change, or my name change, hasn't just been something that is a quick flash in the pan, oh, I'm getting a divorce, so I'm going to change my name because that's fun, ah, midlife crisis, blah, blah, that this has been a deeply pondered, faith-based reaction to anti-racism work that we have been called to do by being people of faith, that it has been about reconnecting and reconciling with the pieces of history that our work and our faith journey has really called me on on a personal level. And I hope that in sharing my own story of this, that it can encourage people to think about their own journey, either with your own name or with your own heritage or what does anti-racism have to do with knowing my own land story or my own heritage or faith at all? Why would those things have anything to do with each other? Why would a name change be a faithful path? Those kinds of questions hopefully might spring up some interesting thoughts, prayers, contemplations. And just in the same way that Abram and Sarai and Jacob and Saul all found themselves inexorably changed in life by encountering God, when we encounter God enough that our pathways completely shift and change, I think it can be good to recognize that and give ourselves the opportunity to honor that. My life has been completely shifted and changed by who I am and what I do, and I am grateful to be in a place in my life where I can honor that with integrity, and I love this beautiful heritage of a last name, both it's hard baggage and the beauty of it. And I am so excited to live into it more fully in the years to come. And I hope it can inspire someone listening to consider what that might mean in their own faith journey.
1: That's fabulous. Well,
0: thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking
1: the time to help us learn a little more about what's in a name. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on
0: another topic as do I. And thank you all for listening along. It is great to be back in your ears. You are welcome to reach out to us with ideas for topics or questions that you might have. You can reach out by emailing us at podcast at centralportland.org. You can also find us on Facebook and leave us comments or suggestions on there. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.